0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for.
2: Milardi, and the Kings take a 1-0 lead in game four. Trevor Moore takes an outlet. Rink wide to Arvidsson. Spin move right around A and A. Reach, hop, score. Adrian Kempe to Kopitar. From the left point, sharp angle, cross corner. Nurse did not get it out. Louis poke free. Kopitar in or score. 3-0 Los Angeles. Power play goal on Jay Kopitar. Here's Adrian Kempe. Eluding dry Through one man. Dishing off Kopitar. Back to Kempe. Backhander to kick save. Rebound by Field. Can't finish. Boy, he appeared to have a point-blank look, but a weak backhander, and Skinner got the piece.
1: We got two really good goaltenders, and that's a luxury for a head coach to have. You know, Stewart's been our starting goaltender here the second half of the year. He's played
2: great. Villardi into the offensive zone. A backhander to save made by Skinner. Good look for Villardi from the right circle. Left point shot, Edler, and that's snared by Skinner.
1: It's huge to have two goalies uh, that are able to play. I remember made a huge, huge uh, breakaway save. You could say that that stop won us the game. I mean, he went in there cold, and you never get put in a great spot when you go in cold, so he did a great job.
2: subtle to Bouchard, puck remains on the zone. McDavid, Bouchard, trade the puck, cross ice, subtle. One-timer, Bouchard, score! Kevin Bouchard stays hot, and Edmonton's right back in this. We are a very, very resilient group, and we're not going to quit ever, no matter what. So I'm really proud of the guys. Not an easy team to come back against, especially when they have the lead. And I thought we just came in waves in the second period and put ourselves back in it. Bouchard, high slot, Nugent Hopkins, open, position. what time to score! This game is tied! Leon Dreisaitl Thomas Arvidsson, center pass, back here, score! Kings regain the lead, 4-3. Three ten to go, a handoff to Matthias Echel. Pulsating playoff hockey game for L.A. Now, in across the line, McDavid shot, score! This game is tied! Evander Kane, the equalizer, with three oh two to play! Deadlocked at 4, Edmonton has never led. Hyman left wing for the win, he shoots and Scores! Zach Hyman. This game is over.
1: This series is tied. Same spot last year. You know we know how big this game five is. You know found ourselves in a tough spot, but a chance to learn from that experience and, and be ready and, and and be sharp for game five. Is
0: it an opportunity to grow? Yeah, we're quite aware of the challenge before us, and uh, we feel up to it. All right, that's uh, Bill Conte's going the distance from Rocky One. Great work by Derek Scott. It's not the first time you've heard a uh, compilation like that on this show. This is the second hour of Oilers. Third hour. Third hour of Oilers now. Bob Stoffer, live. I'm ready to go. Put me in, Coach. Uh, we are live at uh, Roger's Place, and uh, we're going to head straight off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Patiently waiting on the line is our headliner today from Daily Faceoff, Mike McKenna. Our winner's now headliner brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Man,
1: after all that intro, I'm all amped up, dude. That was a great montage. <laughs> it was fun to just sit here and listen to, man. I think I'm all ready for a game this evening.
0: Yeah. Uh, Derek does a great job with those. Of course, we have the benefit of uh, you know a play-by-play guy that's got ho- horsepower in his voice, unlike any other out there. All right. You heard Stuart Skinner talk about you need two goaltenders. Jay Woodcroft says the Oilers have two good goaltenders. I got to ask you, as a former goaltender, a guy that uh, played for how many different NHLs? organizations over your career?
1: I think I got paid by 13, but I lost keeping track. You know, I need to have a scorecard for this for when these questions actually happen. Yeah. That's on me, Bob. I think it was 13. I played for seven NHL teams and dressed for two more. So there you go. I got enough under the belt. I guess
0: uh, we'll put it that way. So you give me, you know the position better than me. I'm old school, right? I'm the guy that used to come back. And, uh, you know, when I played with Guy Godelski in the south side, I was not good enough to play major junior when there was 12 teams. I was the guy that would come back at our goalie and after he gave up the third rebound say, hey, you got to have that one. Like, I was that guy, right? That was my sense of humor. Uh, but with all seriousness, are you surprised that Jay has come back with Stuart Skinner? Uh, give me uh, your take on the, the decision for Motors head coach Jay Woodcroft.
1: No, I'm not surprised with Woodcroft. And I, I actually put a piece out of Daily Face off just about this exact topic um, in the last two days here that. When it really comes down to it, I think it's the trust level. You know, all, by the middle stanza of the season, Stuart Skinner had won the net for the Oilers, and he'd done it through consistency. Woodcroft knew what he was going to get from them, from him. And, you know, when you boil it down, the number of times that Jack Campbell allowed four goals or more in a game was 15 out of his 30-something starts compared to Skinner, who was way less. And then the numbers bear it out. Skinner's nine one four is a reflection of that, but when you look beyond the numbers, you look at the stability and you look at the consistency in the crease all season. Skinner brought that. Now, that being said, though, like Bob, I haven't been in love with Stuart Skinner's game in the playoffs so far, and it is his first taste of action in the postseason at the NHL level. Whereas Campbell does have experience, and guess what? He's got nine one eight save percentage in his career during the playoffs. So, this is no question in my mind was a was a tough decision for Woodcroft to make. But I think what it really comes back to is that Stuart Skinner has been the starting goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers for a good portion of the season. He's earned that, right? He earns the chance to play again. But I also don't think his leash is very long because Campbell, even though he had a couple of code Brown moments there <laughs> when he came into, the, came into game four, I got the job done, man. So I, I think it's still Skinner's crease. I would have gone back to Skinner, um, But, boy, it was probably not an easy decision for Woodcroft.
0: Tell me this. You said you haven't liked this game. Uh, Is there something technically that you could educate our listeners on that uh, you think are a little off right now with Stu?
1: You know, I think this is something similar to what Igor Shashurkin went through last season in the Stanley Cup playoffs, goaltender for the New York Rangers. He had not had any experience with playoffs, and the intensity ratchets up. Now, as a goaltender, you always say you need to be calm, you need to let the game come to you, and that's completely true. But I really think that Skinner has just lacked a little bit of of energy to his game in some ways. And I don't think he needs to be out of control. But I think there needs to be an intensity there, you know. Think back to game two. He had two goals go in, and I understand one of them was a second or third rebound, but either of those he, he couldn't get the post sealed.
0: Yeah. And then you
1: think back even to game one. The first two shots are from Kempe. First one's a backhander through the slot. I know those are hard to read, but he's deep in his net. Then Kempe far sides clean, you know. These are the types of plays where I think that if Skinner was really on top of his game with a little more intensity, he might be three or four more inches out of his crease. and Make those types of saves. So, like I say, I don't think he's been terrible, but even in Game 3, I didn't like how it ended. When Moore scored in tight, he didn't really get squared up to the shooter, and then it just kind of continued into Game 4, where his rebound control, to me, wasn't clean. He got beat. Arvidsson on the rush. You, just, you see these things going, you can just sense. He just needs a little more intensity to his game. Because he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been excellent either.
0: Uh, Mike McKenna joining us from Daily Faceoff. And, Mike, you made a lot of fans when you came on the show earlier in the year and talked about the ills of Jack Hamill. One of the things you brought up was equipment. And lo and behold, Jack modernized his equipment. Uh, he had to put in a lot of work, and the orders. The orders closed the season, as you know. Club record: six goals against. Uh, I think over their last seven games, or something like that. Uh, but it was more to me a reflection on the caliber of some of the teams that were playing to two down the stretch. Um, from a so from a technical perspective, you think the intensity. Needs to ratchet up from Stewart. Realistically, what do you think, like in your opinion, I mean, Stewart's 24. We both know he needs to handle the puck better. And that often comes in time for goaltenders and his work that they put in, uh, usually, frankly, before practice with the goalie coach. Uh, What other parts, where do you see his optimal upside for him? I mean, for me, Stewart's
1: already established that he can play number one minutes in the NHL. The question for me is, is is he going to be a guy that can play 60 games a year, like a Connor Hellebuck or Andre Vasilevsky? Is he going to get to that echelon of the five or six elite goaltenders in the NHL that you just have no question about? The Shishurkin, Saros, Ottinger at this point, those type of goaltenders. I don't know if he's there yet, okay? And it's not just because, again... I don't think Stewart's got the greatest hands. I don't think he's the most explosive goaltender, but he does just about everything really well. And goalies that do everything really well tend to end up being 1A or 1B goaltenders. You know, you're never quite at that threshold of being truly great, but you can win games. You could potentially win a Stanley Cup. I don't know if Skinner's at that point. I do think he's got to free his hands and up a little bit. He needs to improve with his game reads, and that's something that does come with more experience as you get comfortable in the league. I found that out. Like, I, I'll be very honest, I never felt comfortable in the NHL. I was never there long enough, I wasn't there for a whole season. I guarantee you Skinner's gonna be better from this experience and from the whole year and his reads will improve thing is, though, at this point, he's a 9-1-4 goaltender, 9 9 9-1-4. I'd be surprised if he could eclipse the nine twenty mark because I'm not sure if the internal intangibles are quite there. He's got a great skill set. He's very consistent. His mechanical routes are good. But does he have that next level of dexterity, both physically and mentally? That's what we have to see develop if he's going to get to that elite status.
0: Okay, well, i got a couple. Th- for one, I think it's going to be real hard for goalies to get to nine twenty because I think we've got better shooters further down the lineup, especially at forward on the third and fourth lines than we've had in the past. We've got more skilled players, and I think you'll see. uh, And the other thing is the way the rules are. Defensively, you can't cheat the same. That's number one. Uh, I am interested, better hands. Now, are you talking about the way he handles the puck? Are you talking about his glove hand and his block? Like, maybe shed some light on that for us.
1: Yeah, I think it's actually, I'm talking about blocker and hands at this point. And listen, I was a goalie that loved to handle the puck with the puck on my stick. So when we talk about stick handling, passing and stuff, yeah, that's a work in progress for Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Um, but his actual hands, you know, um, he comes from the school of thought that you've got this thing in the goalie lexicon called head tracking or head trajectory where, All it really means is get your head and eyes on the puck, over the puck early. And a lot of times what that really leads to is the goalie getting square to the shot, which is great. Their body's in position. They arrive early. But sometimes those goaltenders with their hands a little bit lower, a little bit more static, they're just not as quick or as free. They end up being a little bit robotic at times. And to me with Skinner, again, this goes back to that intensity I'm talking about when he's really on his game i think he's free to make to make reads he's free to let his glove fly a little bit when you tense up when you get a little nervous sometimes you default to becoming a little bit robotic. And maybe your hands aren't quite at the level that they should be. So it's a really fine line. I'm not saying he has poor hands. I think that there's room for growth in those. And I think there's a little bit room for growth for him to free up his game a little bit and just become slightly less robotic
0: in the net. Yeah, this is great stuff. I think a lot of listeners are I'm taking a look at the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Mike, they appreciate the perspective you're giving us. Um, I'm going to shift over now. To, and by the way, that play is that the did some of that stem from a guy named Lyle Mast? Because I think that Dustin Schwartz did some work with him as well in OR Sports, which had a bit to do, I think, with uh, you know, basically head placement and reading uh, through the eyes. Mm hmm. Is that- yeah, it has been, you know, and, and yeah, Mast has been behind it. I believe Carter Hart's been one of his
1: disciples, I think, as well. And and yeah. even uh, you even go back to, to Devin Dubnik. He went to school doing it as well later in his career. Not when he was with Edmonton, but later when he went to um, to Arizona, Minnesota, I believe that time frame for him. So yeah, Mast in his works has kind of permeated through the league. It's great stuff, Bob. I mean it means basically all it means is get your eyes on it early and get your whole body behind the puck. Yeah. And then you get to build your game from there to be a little bit more reflexive.
0: Okay. Uh, so by the way, Jack Campbell, it was a a good relief performance, I'll be honest in the building I wasn't, I was confident the way the Oilers were playing, but I was also a little bit nervous when they were getting counter-strike opportunities he found ways to stop 27 to 28, he did his job after he made the switch of equipment uh, did you see uh, and by the way the, the, the goalies, do they get paid or is there alignment deals and that sort of thing in terms of wearing certain brands in the league?
1: There can be endorsement deals. They're not nearly as big
0: as people think, though.
1: Okay. So <laughs> I okay. would caution any win to that, that this was a monetary decision. I think he finally went to something that was a little bit stiffer, a little bit more modern. So that was probably the driving force. But there's always a little financial incentive for goalies at the NHL level. They get a little kickback, whether it's in product or actual in dollars from a company.
0: Uh, in your opinion, did he improve in the second half of the season?
1: At times, you know, I really thought that stretch that he had in January was excellent. And to the point where I thought, boy, Jack's really going to challenge for this crease again. And then you look at the last 10 games of the year, uh, it was kind of right back to where it was at the start, where, you know, four or five a night, couldn't get in front of it. Um, But then he finished off really strong in his last two games. So, you know, I think that for me, like the gear is is one thing where I didn't look and see. Now I didn't track every goal against, but I didn't see the obvious five-hole goals that were going in previously because his pads were all rolled up and not covering. I didn't see any pucks go through his glove like they did at the start of the year. Right. I think he presents bigger in his equipment now, too, which is a tangible thing. So um, it's kudos to him for being able to switch midseason because that is not an easy thing to do.
0: Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff. He's our headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Agrees with Jay Woodcroft's decision to go back with Stuart Skinner. Now I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, so we got three matchups with a uh, series where teams are separated by five points. Edmonton, L.A., uh, the Devils and the Rangers, and Dallas and Minnesota. And all those series are tied 2-2, and they're tight. Conversely, Tampa Bay, 18th in the second half of the year. Winnipeg was 22nd. Vasilevsky and Hellebuck were their goalies. That's how bad those teams played in the back half of the year. So I say to you, is it the team in front of them? In the case, certainly in Vasilevsky. I'm going to exclude Hellebuck here because Winnipeg's banged up. But in Tampa Bay, is, is there something going on? Like, is he just off his game right now? Because I think he's sitting with about a four and a half goals against per game.
1: Man, I I tell you what, you're reading my mind because you guys keep your eyes peeled on Thursday. I'm going to have a piece coming out on what is going on with Andre Vasilevsky. And I did the legwork on it today, Bob. And, you know, the last two games, it was really clued in on, especially down here. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. So in America on the ESPN feed for what we had They clued in on the fact that he was allowing goals blocker side left and right. And he had, he's allowed eight of his last nine goals to the blocker side. When you look at the entire course of the series with the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's allowed eight blocker side to six glove side, couple five hole. So, The natural thing to think is that, oh, man, he just sucks on the blocker side. Well, what really is going on, I think, is that Vasilevsky's had a tough time with traffic to that side and also partially because Maple Leaf shooters that are exposing that are left-handed from a distance. So traffic blocker side's been a problem for Vasilevsky. He's going to have to find the puck earlier and find a better window to make those saves. But I also think Toronto's starting to target it, because during the regular season, the Toronto Maple Leafs were very balanced in their shooting. I looked at all of their shots on goal via instatscout.com. Toronto was was half and half, glove side to blocker side. They've been shading much heavier to the tune of 45% blocker side to 30% glove side on Andre Vasilevsky. So, if you want to just get one thing, I think that the Maple Leafs now think they've found a weakness in Vasilevsky. They've tried to exploit it the last two games, but I also think that Tampa's been really poor in front of him in some instances. Some of these passes that are going cross crease the team not tying up sticks in front, they're missing Hedman and Schurnach so much. You can't allow deflections and tips in front of the net, and those top two defensemen, without them in the lineup, Tampa's much easier to play against in front of the net.
0: Yeah, uh, We're getting a text coming in. Jay says, Bob, uh, McKenna is aces. You need to keep this guy in rotation. Uh, another texture says, can you ask him about Corpus uh, Obviously, him being healthy played a huge, and, and I'll be honest with you, Mike, we were in Columbus, and uh, the guys there, oh, Corpus Allo, he's legit stuff, and I'm like, legit, the last two years have been ugly. Uh, but he finally got healthy. Uh, he, he's really taken a step forward here, hasn't he?
1: has but there's there's also been times here though in the playoffs where I thought, uh, oh, he's looking beatable, right? You think about those clean shots that have gone in, even Hyman coming down the lane that goes seven hole on him. There's elements to Corpasalo's game that when he gets a little bit too aroused in the net he tends to get far outside of his crease and the game becomes a little zero-sum he loses his reactions because he doesn't have as much time to react when that occurs that's how Hyman scores the other night 7-hole but I think with Corpusal, the big factor for him is he hasn't been healthy in two years this past offseason he had surgery on his hips it turned his game around because he was trending towards maybe not being in the NHL this year yeah. I honestly thought his deal this year was a lifeline from the Blue Jackets and it speaks to how hard works. He's a great teammate. They were still believing in their goaltender and trying to give him a chance to get back in the game. He responded big time. I thought he was much more controlled this year. Uh, he really had a hard time rotating in past years. That's something that I've harped on with Jack Campbell previously is that he doesn't get turned and get towards his post to get to the shots that are on the wing. Court Masalo couldn't do that because his hips weren't letting him. He's done better about it this year. He stayed a little bit closer to home, a little bit more between his posts. And to me, that's allowed him to show off his, uh, his natural athleticism because that's always been top-notch for him definitely a big help that he's been healthy for the for the kings
0: mike great stuff i uh, appreciate you joining us here and giving your perspective on Oilers now i love it man thanks so much for having me bob you bet that is mike mckenna from daily face off it's twelve twenty four 24 at edmonton we'll take a quick time out you're listening to oilers now All he's done is be on the ice for all 14 goals the Oilers have scored in this series. We talk about Brentridge Ford and the President's Awards for customer satisfaction, their full transparency and customer care after the purchase. But another big factor in the success of Brentridge Ford owned in Witasquin is, like any great franchise, stability. Here's some legacy-level stats for you. The parts manager, Ricky, started back in 92, general manager, Rich, in 94, and they've had the same owner at Brentridge Ford since 1987. I know from personal experience, The whole Brent Ridge Ford staff is committed to ensuring your customer experience is a positive one. Brent Ridge Ford, your Ford truck authority on the auto mile in Watasquan. It is 228 in Edmonton. We'll go off to a global news weather traffic update with, uh, yes, with Randy Kilburn. Uh, Colin Chalk is the head coach of the Bakersfield Connors. Their season came to an end on the weekend. We'll talk to him. Still have this day in Oilers history, and it was a big one for Wayne Gretzky. This is Oilers Now.